Today we are starting Advent. And if you were to look inside your bulletin down at the bottom of the scripture for today, it it tells you, it's just the definition directly out of dictionary.com for what Advent is. It's a coming into place, a view or being. It's It's an arrival. Specifically the coming of Christ into the world that we celebrate. And there's a lot of things that happen in our faith and a lot of things that happen in this world to where the, everything started changing at this moment. It's, it's the beginning of all things new. And there are so many good things that come with, this, with the coming of Christ. Uh, so many good things that are for you and for me in this world to experience and to live in and to grow in that we just want to celebrate this month. And so we're going we're gonna to do so by celebrating uh, the Advent. And, and if you look on the backside of your, of, of your outline there, it has the actual outline. It gives us the Advent calendars and the four topics, the four things that we celebrate during the season. The first being hope. And we're starting today with this idea of hope, and it makes sense that we would do this because that word hope means to anticipate or to welcome, or specifically, it's an expectation of what is sure. Because we celebrate hope because it's, it's an expectation of what we know is true and what is, uh, what is sure. So today, and there's no cool way to do this. You can do a match or something, and that probably wouldn't work. So, the candle of hope. There we go. Let's pray. Father, because of Jesus, we have hope. All of these words that we sang in the songs beforehand about hope and peace and joy and all these things that come with the coming of Christ. All of these things directly out of Scripture. We sing truth after truth after truth. Every line filled with scripture. And God, we celebrate you. Because you're the creator of this universe. And because, God, you had a plan to redeem, to restore. And God, we just don't believe it was plan B. God, all along, your plan to restore your creation. To draw us back to you. Not because of how great we are, but because of how great you are. And your ability to reclaim your children. And so today we celebrate it, God. And we look in your word and we claim your word. We take your word and we, and we, we look at it. Although our, our topic today is hope, we look at it through the lens of hope. And God, I just pray that you would encourage each person here. We come today with different junk in our lives. Some of us are celebrating some great things. Some of us are deeply mourning some things. Some of us are struggling with a decision or... Maybe there's stuff that's just constantly on our heart and on our mind. And maybe it's, not a, maybe it's not just during the holiday season. Maybe that's a pattern in our lives, God. That instead of each day being of hope, it's drudgery. I pray, God, you would help us somehow supernaturally see this truth of hope that gives us power. This hope in Christ. Help us to understand more deeply what this represents. In Jesus' name, amen. Go to Romans 5. Scripture is there inside your outline. Um, for some reason, I decided to write my notes out in my hand, and I have, I have horrible handwriting. So everything I'm going to say is going to be, is supposed to be awesome today. If I say something weird, it's because I didn't read it right. Okay. Um, let's just start in verse one. I just love this scripture. And I just want to read it through. It says this, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through 
our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, if you just take one scripture out of the Bible and just say, this is what we look forward to with the Advent, it's this. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Man, that it honestly teaches itself. I hope you were able to just think that through. I want to encourage you to take that back home and just maybe read it this week or read it throughout the holidays. I want to talk today about why we hope or what we have in hope. What is it that is significant about it? What is it that's different, that's greater than any other hope that we have? What is it specifically that Scripture says, this is why, this is, this is the thing we need to understand about hope in order for it to be the, the, the power. Um, in verse 6 it says, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, but they're in hope, there, there is power. Why we have hope? What does it look like? I have to go back. Um, I was thinking about this week, the very beginning of, you know, we're, each of us, we're, we're each on our own journey, right? And we've started at different places. Some of you started where you grew up in church and, and somehow this path happened and, and for whatever reason, now you're in, in the back of a Jackie's preschool with frogs painted on the wall going to church. I don't know. Here you are, right? Um, some of us did not grow up in church. And you can't even believe you're in a church. And you're like, don't all churches have frogs on the wall? You don't even know, you know. Um, but, but you've all been on this journey. And, and I, I believe it on my heart that your journey has been filled with, with victories and good moments. But most likely, your journey has been filled with frustrating and confusing moments, especially related to faith, joy, hope, all these things. And, and you can't help but live life and see life through those experiences, Right? When you think about church, you can't help but think about other churches you've seen or other people who claim to be Christians that you've been around. I know people who just right out will say, I don't want to become a Christian because I don't want to be like that. And we can't help but see ourselves. We can't help but see things through that lens. And so it's shaped our journey and it's shaped where we've come and what, and what we've done. And, but, but church to us has become something. Our faith journey has become something to us. And we already have it in a category or we already have it in a way. For me on my own journey, many of you know a handful of years ago, I just kind of came to that place where I was just really confronted with, um, I'm just doing this faith thing, but there's not a whole lot of power in it right now for me. 
And I'm hearing everyone else around me complain that there's not a whole lot of power in it. We're going through all the motions. We're doing all the right things. We're checking all the right boxes. But it just doesn't seem like we're, we're, we're in relationship with the God who just said, let there be light and the lights turned on. You know? It just seems like it should be a little bit more. There's something else to this. There's something more to this. And so as I began to explore that, the thing that God confronted in me was the fact that I lived my entire faith for me. And I worked my whole life to just try and get right before God and do all the right things in church so that we would be okay. And then everything else about that then had to be about how I wanted to worship and what Bible study I wanted to be in and how, what I wanted my pastor to be like and the places that I wanted to be in. It was just so consuming. So God just took me and just said, no, now I just don't want you to even think about that. And I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just go figure out how to serve the poor. I'm like, whoa, what does that have to do with faith, right? Or maybe the faith that many of us grew up with. And so there's this, there's this interesting journey that, that we, are, we are each on. And I remember when I first began to take my day off. To just go, honestly it started with being available to be a blessing. I, I had to work hard to just say, okay I'm going to stop. And I'm just going to observe and look for opportunities to bless other people. I'm going to actually just try to do this. I'm going to use my day off and I want to go serve the homeless or whoever comes in front of me. Is there a way to minister? And I have story after story. that was just amazing. Some crazy things. But I got to be honest with you. As we began that journey, I, I realized that I was constantly having to force myself to make time for it. It wasn't really because of who I was in Christ. It was just this, this, I was modifying my behavior, right? I was just changing what I was doing. It, it was yet to change who I was. So, but I, I kind of had to force myself to, to make time. And honestly, here's, here's when I began to serve people that I didn't, I had never really been around that much. Um, the first thing I was, was scared. I, it was kind of scary. Some of you can relate with that because I've seen you go down to the grill out downtown in the homeless community. And I've seen you circle the parking lot three times before you park. And then when you see a familiar face, hi, <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Kind of this, a little bit of fear. And, and I remember feeling very ignorant. So I don't know, I don't really know how to bless people. I don't really know how to do this. I remember feeling fake a little bit. I feel fake in church a lot, do you? I don't want to. I try really hard not to, but I think I have to do something for everyone. So I better, that temptation is constant. I don't know what that is. I'm working on it. But, but, but more than that, it was really it, trying to serve and trying to help really had become a labor of love. I knew it was right and I wanted to do it. It was a love. It was, it was, I was trying to do it as worship to God, even more so than for that person who was being served. Because I, I, I did know enough in my brain that it was bigger than just that. But it, really, it was really hard work. It was really hard work. And then, then something happened as we began to do this and God began to catalyze a vision for a church like Austin New Church. And I remember the very first time we got a group of people together to go down and serve the homeless downtown. There might have been 15 or so people. And we went down with like 20 hamburgers. Same spot. And we were overwhelmed. But it was the coolest thing you ever saw. Because everybody, there were, there were a couple of guys who just had the car waiting. What do I need to go get? Okay, boom. We, we took like 30 trips to HEB. Every HEB within like a 10-mile radius of downtown we went to. There was a point where we, were, where we were serving ground sirloin to these guys out there. I'm not kidding. I mean, it was like, 
because we just weren't... Every, and it was such a cool moment to see everybody just working so hard and just having so much fun and working together and sacrificing and running and spending way too much money. Like, dude, we could have brought them to Red Lobster for that, you know, or whatever. And I remember that was the first day when I went home. I remember looking at Jen and going, if I could do that every day of my life, I would. Probably not going to pay the bills. Imagine it'd get boring after a while, but the same, same thing. But there was something about that day when we all began to work together and it wasn't just me. There was something about that day when we were just messed up and didn't know what we were doing. And we had to keep going back to the store and, and people, no, I'll pay for it. I'll, I'll get it. Uh, we were all just kind of, it was just a big, we were a mess. We were probably entertaining. They were probably back there going, these guys are jacked. <laughs> but those are some good burgers. Um, Something about that day that was just good. It just became very sweet. It became very good. Why we have hope. The first one is, is because we have hope. Our hope is in the goodness of God. It's in the goodness of God. And, and let's look at this scripture here. Verse 1, one through 3. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast, it says, we boast, we brag. In a, in a good way, we boast in the hope of the glory of God, in the glory of God. I read our translation years ago that, that says, and we boast um, in, the, in the goodness of God. That word, if you were to look up that word glory, um, you would see... Um, that it, it means really two words, that it's, it's not just this really big, but what it is, it's the essence or the substance. So it's saying we boast in the essence of God of who he is and the actual substance of God. This is our hope. We have hope in the essence of God, his heart and who he is and his, and, and if you were to read right in the little definition area where it says essence and substance, it would say in this, it would say always good. Because you look in scripture, throughout scripture, you can have a same word that can be used either in a negatively used way or in a positive or in a, in a neutral or whatever. But this word is always used and it just says always good. That we can, we can hope that our hope is in the goodness of God and that it is always good. So it's not just, we don't just have hope in knowing that if we choose God's way, ultimately it's the, it's the safest way. It's not just that if we follow Christ and we, and, and we move forward in our faith that, that it's not just, that it's not even just the best way, although it may sting sometimes. But we can have confidence that even in these moments that this scripture is talking about having to persevere through, we can have confidence that it is always, it is, there's always goodness in it. And we can boast, we can brag to the glory of God, to the goodness. We can, our hope is in the goodness of God, not just the safety of God or the, or the, the bestness of God, but the goodness of God. When, the, when, when we come to that moment in our lives where we realize that just the way and the path, that's our heater slash airplane engine. You'll learn to love it this winter. Um, then we realize that, um, that 
that God is just good. He's just good. Then we'll find hope. And I don't really know how to make that happen for you. If you were to look at scripture, it, it would have to be just trusting in, 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 in the life, not just the death and burial and resurrection, but in the life of Jesus and seeking out, Jesus, what were you about? Okay, I need to be about that. I, I think somewhere in there is the, is the formula towards seeing um, God's goodness. Why we hope, first one, hope is in the goodness of God. I got to go way faster than this. So y'all don't let me be so slow. The next one, why we hope. Uh, The scripture verse, actually it says verse four, but it's verse four and five, I believe. No, verse three, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope. Verse five, and hope does not put us uh, to shame. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts to the Holy Spirit who has been given us. And hope does not put us to shame. Another way to read that is that hope will not disappoint us. There will never be a moment where you go, well, this is what it's going to end up being. God is going to be this. And then we go like, oh, he wasn't. Mm." You can be assured that all you hope for, that all you sacrifice, all you give of yourself, that one day... If it doesn't seem like it yet, it's because it's still coming. It will not disappoint you. It will be all you dreamed of, and it will be even more. Hope does not disappoint. I love this. Listen, if you can find anything in life that does not disappoint, grab onto it. Because the person sitting next to you will disappoint you. I will disappoint you. The other people around you will disappoint you. You guys are like, yeah, yeah, you. You're like, Um, Tell me, brother. Um, There's a lot of people out there who just want to blow up the church today. They just want to talk about how bad it is and all this stuff and how corrupt it is. I don't want to do that because I, I believe in the bride of Christ. And we are the church. And whether you're... The, 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 whether you're a part of the solution to the problem, we're all part of the bride of Christ. Okay, we're all part of the church. And so I, the last thing I want to do is, is constantly deconstruct and all that. I want to offer, I want to be a part of offering hope and being a part of the solution. I want to be a part of the church that you and I dream of being a part of. And, and, and no one's going to just give that to us. We have to become that, Okay. It's just not going to happen. Oh, I finally found it. You ever notice that every church you go to, "Ah, we have to become that. And and I think about this, but I don't want to just, but I will be honest with you. Most of my spiritual journey as it relates to how we get together as this organized thing called the church, most of the time it disappoints me because it just feels like when things are going great, eventually the hammer is going to fall. And we're going to get selfish and we're going to get about us and we're going to whine about stuff we shouldn't be whining. We're going to take the focus off. We're going to care more about stuff that are preferences than stuff that are really biblical. And we're going to complain about this as a distraction to really deal with this. And, and, and just throughout my life, a lot of, a lot of I've just, it's just been disappointing. It's been, this is this huge, great thing God wants us to do and 10% of people will do it. And I've, I've said it before. I've said, you know what? One day, I really would just like to have a job, but I just don't have to spend all my time trying to get people to do something they don't want to do. 
not now. That's before. And I, I really mean that. Um, but I'm so encouraged because when our nonprofit partners come to us and say, hey, will you partner on Thanksgiving to help our foster families in our city just to bless them? That we have the confidence as a pastoral staff to sit in a meeting and go, you know what? Not only do we think our church will do this, but we want to double the amount of money we want to do. And we'll just buy them all in advance because we're all going to buy them anyways. And I just know you're going to do it. And we did it. Just, it didn't disappoint. It was beautiful. So Matthew comes with these opportunities then to serve for, for Christmas. And, and all these things that we can do uh, locally and globally uh, to just be a part of adopting families and serving people and being a part of it. And just every one of them, uh, we're still working on our global stuff, but every one of them locally, you're doing. Every one of them. Three times we've had people come into this church and, and uh, really kind of give their presentation as a missionary and then present opportunities for you to sponsor children that they are serving in India and in Haiti. It was Chris Marlowe twice and a Caroline Boudreaux so a couple years ago with the Miracle Foundation in India once. And, and every single time, within a couple weeks, this church has sponsored every kid that they had to sponsor. And I just, I get into that and I, and I just know... I'm not going to be disappointed. And it's such a beautiful thing to be a part of. To hold on to that. And I think there's something good about that. And I think we have to be really aware. We don't want to just do it because we're supposed to. And look at us. We're awesome. Woo! You know? Because that's my nature too. We want to do that. We want to celebrate for the wrong reasons. But there's something beautiful about that. That we should celebrate. And that we should find hope in. And that's just, as a pastor, I look at that and I know it won't disappoint. And I think about Jesus and I think about the promises of God. And I think about what he says is happening and what is going to happen and what our future holds. And scripture says that it will not put us to shame. That it will not disappoint. All that you think and hope and hear and read, it will come to pass. It will not disappoint you. Hold on to that. We are so limited in our vision. Today, tomorrow, our lifetime versus eternity. It hasn't come to pass. It will. Hold on. Keep pressing. Hope does not disappoint. Yes. All righty. Verse 6. You see, I like that. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Third thing, hope shows no bias. I don't even know if that's a good word for that. Hope, hope, hope shows no bias against sinners. Because we're all sinners. Hope keeps no record. Uh, hope uh, shows no favor for the righteous because it's not our righteousness. It's because it's not our goodness. Um, he, here's the good news. The good news is that God is just. And without Christ, that's bad news because if you and I got what we deserved, uh-oh. 
You know what I'm saying? But the good news is, is God is just. It's why our sin required a payment. But that when we sit under that, now we have hope. Because we were sinners in the first place. We were messed up in the first place and he still loved us. He still gave it up for us. How much more now? How much more now? Is he going to complete the work in us if we pursue him? Absolutely. There's hope worth investing in and holding on to. I don't care where you are. Some of us are in a really dumb rut right now spiritually. You've been up here and right now you're down here. Just hold on. Just keep pressing. Keep praying. Through Christ, we're declared innocent. We can only really get this. Um, last week, we were at our at, um, um, my, my in-laws' ranch in Comanche, Texas, over Thanksgiving, and and Ben, my newly adopted son, thinks he can do. He can drive. He thinks he can drive. He couldn't even ride a bike a month ago, and now he thinks he can drive. And so we have this this kind of utility vehicle out there. It's called the chuck wagon. And um, um, I came back in from the ranch, and, and he was like, just looking at me like. He decided he was going to back it out of the barn, and he rolled down the hill, and he slammed in the side of our Suburban, a big old dent. This is brutal. Um, <laughs> right? And I was thinking about him. I tell you what, I've learned more about myself and how I live in response to God from my adoptive children than my than anything in the world. I've learned a lot about God through my biological children, but here's what he was concerned about. He honestly, once we were okay, he, he didn't look at the den anymore. He didn't even care. It's not his suburban. It's not his worry. Someone else is going to take care of that. He just wanted to make sure we were okay. And he was petrified and he was he had no idea what to do. But the moment he fully understood and grasped the concept, I'll take care of it. It's my deal. You and I, we're okay. He just went on with life. Man, I wish we could do that. I wish we could just realize that even our own lives in this world and all this stuff that God has called us to, it's not yours. You don't, God doesn't need you to take care of it. And if we could just understand that it's not our responsibility and that once we're okay with God, we're really okay we would find this hope. It's because it wasn't your sin and our jacked up Is that a word? It is now. I've used that before. I know it. In the first place, so why now? I don't, wherever you are, wherever you are, just call on Christ. Live under that. There you will find hope. All right. Last two are real quick. Verse 9. 10. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? The last two points. Hope secures our today. And the last one is hope assures our tomorrow. Secures our today. Assures our tomorrow. I have right here in my notes, point four and five, be brief. So there you go. You get that, right? We've been talking about it. Here's why we start with hope during Advent. Because without hope, there is no joy. Without hope, there is no peace. Without hope, we don't really understand this love that exists. Hope is our power for today and tomorrow.
tomorrow. And here's the Christmas truth, last point. Without Christ, there is no hope. There is, there's none. We end up living our lives trying to prove ourselves to a God that we can't prove ourselves to. Do things for God that doesn't need us to do it. On and on and on and on. And here's what I'm reminded. So we think about this holiday season. The perfect Christmas will disappoint. Even the perfect Christmas will disappoint you. The perfect lights on the house, on the tree, the perfect present, it will disappoint you. It will, it will leave you empty and it will never be enough. And, and you'll probably have a lot of debt from it. So there's a bonus. Um, I want to challenge you today to really not, you know, celebrate Christmas. Make it about, make it family and make it love and make it joy and, and make it time together. But don't allow it to usurp Jesus. Don't allow it to take his place. See, or that. How am I going to do that second service? (laughs) Ha ha, funny. You know what I'm saying? That was a big amen right there. All right, so um, I was listening to the pre-release. We actually haven't mastered already the CD, album, record, whatever, and uh, tape. Uh, And... uh, uh, Christy's singing the song that just says over and over and over, you are good, you are good. And um, your goodness lasts forever, your mercies last forever, your kindness lasts forever, you're, you're good. The goodness of God, we hope in the goodness of God. And Caleb said, that's a good song, isn't it, Dad? And I said, it is. And he said, too bad it's wrong. I was like, what? <laughs> and he goes, God is not just good, he's great. I said, yeah, but Caleb, it's his goodness together with his love, together with his mercy, together with his kindness, together with his faithfulness, together with his plan for your life. That makes him great. Let's pray.